say about the next generation? I would say much of culture expects the next generation to be addicted to video games, to be rebellious towards adults, and to take zero responsibility in this life. That's what culture expects of the next generation. Until somehow they hit a magic age of 18, and all of a sudden they're supposed to be responsible. They're supposed to uh, be able to make a difference in this society. But uh, tonight we're not here to talk about what culture's heart for the next generation is. Uh, Tonight we're here to learn what God's heart for the next generation is. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the fact that the Bible is full of young people who are used in a great way to accomplish much for God's glory. Think of uh, Joseph in the book of Genesis as a 17-year-old man who had a dream that God gave him that ended up becoming a reality down the road. I think of uh, young David, uh, the young man, the, the youngest of his family, out taking care of sheep, and uh, the Lord looked past all of his other brothers and ended up picking David to be the next king of Israel. And how, as a young man, went and uh, in courage and in faith towards the Lord, went and defeated the giant named Goliath. I think of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those four who were young men from uh, Judah who were taken captive into Babylon. And, and uh, God used them to make a great difference for the Lord. Young people, I think of Josiah who became king of Judah at an eight year, as an eight-year-old young man. And at age 16, he began to seek after God. I think of uh, Timothy, a young preacher. And I don't know exactly how old Timothy was uh, when Paul wrote to him. But uh, he was young and he was a young man, uh, much like myself. Amen. There's no amens on that one. How come not? Um, because they're like, oh, that's heresy. You're not young, Pastor. I know that. Um, and then I think even as uh, the Bible re- re- records how Jesus, as a 12-year-old young man, was there in the temple and, and having doctrinal discussion with uh, the teachers there. And so uh, culture doesn't put those type of expectations on the next generation, but, but evidently God does put those type of expectations on young people Look, just because we're young, just because you guys are young doesn't mean that God can't use you. In fact, God does desire to use you even in your youth. Uh, There is a zeal, there's an energy, there's a passion that young people have that us older folk uh, somehow don't have anymore. Uh, We don't have the vigor that we once had, Um, but, and, and, and culture says use that energy, use that youth for yourself. Sow your wild oats and and use your your youth years for yourself. God says, no, use them for me. Uh, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said in uh, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse number 1, he says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. uh, To spend our youth remembering the Lord and developing our relationship with God. And so tonight I wanted to take this passage... I realize this is a little bit of a spoiler alert for our series in Mark. Uh, we're in Mark chapter, beginning of Mark chapter number 8, and uh, we'll be in this passage here in a couple months. Uh, but Mark chapter number 10 records a, a, an instance that took place in the life of Christ that helps us to really understand and get a glimpse of 
God's heart for the next generation. And I thought that it would be appropriate to look at this tonight as we consider investing in the next generation tonight after, after the service. So let's walk down through this passage together very quickly this evening and uh, look at God's heart for the next generation. First of all, let's notice here in verse number 13 that people delivered children to Jesus. People delivered children to Jesus. Look in verse number 13. Uh, Seth read it a few moments ago, and it says, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. So we see here that there were those who did what they could to bring the next generation to the Lord Jesus. We don't know exactly how they brought them to Christ. I don't know if they used a bus. I don't know if they had a bus ministry in those days. I guess this is the original bus ministry. You know, I don't know how they brought them to Jesus, but somehow they got these children, this, the next generation, and they, they brought them to the Lord, the Lord Jesus. And uh, notice the reason here that they brought these children to Jesus. In verse 13, it says, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. You see, they knew that the next generation needed a touch from Christ and that he would make all the difference in their lives. I so appreciate the desire of those who want to do what they can to bring children and teenagers closer to the Lord Jesus. And uh, I want this church to be that type of a church, to be uh, Mark 10, 13a type of a church where we're bringing children and bringing young children and bringing teenagers to the Lord Jesus, that he should touch them, that he should make a difference in their life and impact them for eternity. Almost two years ago, God graciously brought a young couple named Blake and Kaylin Rupel here to Cornerstone Baptist Church with a heart to deliver the next generation to the Lord Jesus Christ, to labor and work with them and point them to the Lord. Thank and praise the Lord for both of them. One thing is for sure about Blake and Kalen, I can tell you they indeed have a heart to point the next generation to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to have here is people in our church who are doing what we can to bring people to Jesus. I praise the Lord for those who desire to bring young people to Christ because uh, while they're young is the time to reach them. I have a chart if you want to go ahead and go to it. How old were you when you became a Christian? This was asked uh, some time ago, and, and uh, these are the, the statistics of when someone became a Christian. So from 0 to 14, 64% of the responders, so almost two-thirds, were saved before the age of 14 years old. And then the other third was saved before 29, between 15 and 39. And those who were saved after 30, only 2%. If we were to go around the room, let's do that real quickly. How many of you were saved between ages 0 through 14? Would you raise your hand? Whoa, look at that. Look around. How many of you were saved between ages 15 through 29? Okay. And how many were saved after 30? Okay. So a little higher percentage than, than what's represented here for after 30, but... But most were saved in that 0 to 14 range. So this is the time to reach 
young people. And this is why it's so important for us to invest and to do what we can to bring children, bring the next generation, bring teenagers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see there were people who delivered children to Jesus, but we see, number two, that the disciples dismissed the children. They didn't want them there. Look in verse number 13. It says, there were they, they brought young children to him that he should touch them, and his disciples rebu- rebuked those that brought them. So the disciples wanted the children to leave, and so much so that they rebuked those who delivered the children to Jesus said, you keep bringing these kids to Jesus, we don't want that. And they dismissed it. Now, we're not given the reason why they wanted to dismiss the children. Perhaps it was because, and I'm sure their intentions were good, weren't they? Uh, Knowing the disciples, their intentions were good. They just didn't really understand everything. Perhaps it was because Jesus was busy and and, uh, needed to go places, and, and they didn't want him to be bothered with a lowly children. Um, praise the Lord. He has time for children. Amen. That's encouraging to me. You want to know why? Because I'm one of God's kids. And that means that he has time for me. He doesn't want to push me aside and say, you know what, Eric? I don't have time for you right now. I'm busy taking care of, you know, making sure all the planets continue in their orbit. I don't have time for your little uh, issue that you've got going on in your life right now. Um, I'm trying to make sure that the earth keeps spinning and the sun keeps setting on the earth. I'm busy doing other important things. I don't have time for you. No, no, let's see, that's not the way our God is, is he? He says, Eric, you got my undivided attention. What do you need, my child? Aren't you thankful for that? And so here the disciples said, no, no, the Lord doesn't have time for you. Actually, yes, he does. (laughs) He has time for children. Perhaps it was because children would uh, make a mess of things. Uh, My wife and I are raising four children. Have they broken things in our house? Yes, they have. Have they made messes? Have they not made messes? That's the better question. (laughs) I mean, yes, yes. Children are messy. Children break things. They're dirty. They don't always say the right things or do the right right things. And and I know that actually I've never worked in the nursery, and so I really don't even know the half of it. (laughs) Um, I I understand that children are are messy and, and they're high maintenance at times. And I, and I imagine that that's probably what the disciples are saying, like, hey, the Lord doesn't have time to deal with all these little, you know, annoying kids. Uh, they were the original, I was thinking about this, they were the original get off my lawn, guys. <laughs> get off my lawn! You know, uh, that's what the disciples were. They were the original, yeah, the kids these days, you know, that, that, that whole idea. Look, if, if we're not careful, a, a church can become a place where children and teens are dismissed because, you know what, they just, they're a mess. They're high maintenance. They don't, they're not, they don't even give in the offering. And they're the ones that cost the most money. I get it. I went to Salvation Army this week, 
just on a whim. And uh, they actually had a sign that caught my attention as I, I was actually thinking about this message. And I walked in there and there was a sign on the outside of the door. And there was signs inside that said the same exact thing. It says, this store is not childproof. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. And, you know, that's interesting. Um, you know, if we're not careful, you know, there's those homes that it's like, uh, we've got so many like breakable things around here. We don't really want your kids to be here because they're going to break everything and mess everything up. I don't want that to be our church. I don't want that to be our mentality where kids are not welcome here. I want our kids to be in a place where they can feel like they can be here. Now, I don't want them to break anything. But look, it's going to happen from time to time. When you're working with kids and you're dealing with them, that's going to take place. And you know what? If we're bringing them to Jesus, it's all worth it. It is all worth it, my friend. And so here we see, actually, in verse number 13, two different types of people, don't we? Those who are trying to bring the next generation to Christ and those who wanted it to completely stop. The question is, for all of us tonight, which one are you? Are you 13A, where you're doing all you can to bring them to Christ? Or are you 13B? I rebuke you for trying to get them to Christ. He's too busy for you. We don't want that type of mess and nonsense in our church. Which one are we? Which kind of church are we? One that is trying to do all we can to bring them to the Lord or one that is rebuking those who do try to get them to the Lord? And so we see here, the people delivered children to Jesus. The disciples dismissed the children. And then number three, let's see here that Jesus was displeased with his disciples. And that word is found right here in verse number 14. When Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. Let me just say this. When you displease Jesus, when you displease God, you're in dangerous territory. That's in dangerous ground, aren't you? And these disciples who... Uh, I'm sure, again, had good intention, uh, they still displeased the Lord with their behavior and with their attitude. And again, I believe that the disciples really did and think that they were helping Jesus, but instead the Lord completely surprises them with his response to their attempt to help and rebukes them. Look in verse number 14. When Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. So in reality, Jesus rebuked them for rebuking those who brought these children to him. And he says, suffer them. Uh, what the word suffer means is not to cause them to suffer. <laughs> um, sometimes those who, who, are, who are teachers and said, you know what, I feel like making them suffer for making me suffer uh, through a lesson or uh, through whatever you're going through, all right? So, no, suffer means to allow or to permit. In other words, allow them to come to Jesus and do what we can to make it convenient for them to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Suffer. And then he says, forbid them not. Forbid means to prohibit, to keep from coming. Uh, we better not do anything here in our church that is forbidding or prohibiting or keeping children from getting closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we need to do all we can to uh, 
make, a, make the way easy and uh, clear for them to get to the Lord Jesus. I realize that kids, again, I get it. I've got four children, and I understand some of the high-maintenance aspects of children. They don't always know how to sit still in church. They don't always know how to, uh, you know, their hygiene may not always be the best. Um, they, they may not know how to dress and all the, all the rest of it. I get it. But how are they going to learn if they don't have a place that they can learn it here? We need to be a place where we're not forbidding them to come, which is what the disciples were doing there. But instead, be a place where we're suffering them to come and allowing them and permitting them and uh, making the way clear and, 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 and plain. God is not pleased with a church that isn't trying to reach and help the next generation. I want to make sure that we're pleasing to God in this particular area. Because evidently, he's pleased with churches that are opening their arms to the next generation, and he's displeased with those who are like, kids, get off my lawn. Uh, we need to be the church that is saying, come, we're, you're welcome here. I realize that you know they may not fit the mold. That's okay. I realize that kids, uh, again, will say things that is like, ooh, I wish they wouldn't have said that. So be it. Um, let's suffer them to come. So Jesus was displeased with the disciples. And then number four, let's wrap it up here with this thought. Jesus declared the value of children. In verse number 14 and 15, he said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. And then he said, For of such is the kingdom of God. And then he says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. We all have to humble ourselves. We all have to have the faith of a child in order to receive the Lord Jesus in the first place. And he talks about the importance and the value of children. He also uh, talked about the value of children in, uh, in chapter number 9. If you just look back to the previous chapter here, in verse number 36, he kind of uses a child here as an illustration. He says, he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one, one of such children in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. So he uses a child and says, uh, look, for you to humble yourself and, and, and get down and, and consider what's going on in the heart of a child, that's a big deal. And then in verse number 42, he says this, And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And talking about the importance and the value of the next generation. I heard about a man who went on church visitation one day to try to witness to people and do some evangelism, try to lead people to the Lord. Well, after their day of visitation, he came back afterwards to give testimony to the fact that while out on visitation, he had the privilege to lead one and a half people to the Lord. The pastor asked for an explanation. What do you mean a person and a half? Um, and the man said, well, I led one man to Christ. That's one. 
Then he said, and then I got to lead a little boy to the Lord. That's the half. The pastor wisely corrected the man and said, actually, if you're going to use that type of counting, you actually have it backwards. The man you led to the Lord only has half a life left to give for the Lord's service, while the little boy has all of his life left to give. See, the next generation is extremely valuable. They are the church not only of today, but also of tomorrow as well. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, as you look in the mirror and as I look in the mirror, I'm not getting any younger. I mean, it was one thing for my hair to turn loose up here, but now my hair right here is turning super gray. What's up with that? I am definitely not blessed when it comes to hair follicles. <laughs> um, oh, well. I'm not getting any younger. And I know that I can't do this for millions of years. And uh, I think all pastors need to understand this. Uh, all pastors are interim pastors. In other words, I'm not going to be here forever. I'm, I'm just your pastor for a little while. Uh, but eventually, this church is going to need another pastor. Who's going to take my place? Brother Randy, I hope he's going to be around for a long, long time. That's the plan anyway. Somebody else may need to come up and be the song leader down the road. Miss Robin, who else is going to, who's going to be the next organist? I think we found our next pianist. <laughs> Did a great job tonight, Miss Grace. I mean, here's the deal. We, 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 need, we need you guys. And we need to be a church where uh, we're constantly training and uh, nurturing young people to be not just the church of today, but also of tomorrow as well. And we, need, they, we need to train them so that they will be the ones doing the preaching, the song leading, the ushering, the deaconing, and all the other ings that are necessary here in the church. We must reach them now and do what we can to bring them to Jesus. And then look here in verse number 16 as Jesus kind of puts the final stamp and declares the value of Jesus, not just with words, but in what he does. Verse number 16, he took, up, he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them and blessed them. Jackson, go ahead and come on up, bud. So here's Jackson. Just a kid. Does he cause messes at home? Nah. Okay, mom's a little more honest and says yes. Okay. Sure, I'm sure some, some high maintenance at times for, for mom and dad. And as a church, we can say, you know what, we don't really need that in here. Like, how much, how much do you tithe? You know, I, I, you need to be tithing, you know, since you're here and, you know, Using, using our stuff here at our church, you better be tithing. He, he, he might be tithing. Okay. That's, that's a mentality that a church can end up having, right? Is like, why are you here then? But Jesus says, look, stop rebuking them and be glad they're here. And let's do what we can to bring them to the Lord Jesus. And the Bible says he took them up in his arms. So I'm going to see if I can do this. I'm going to see if I can get you up in my arms here. All right. Okay. 
And you know what he's doing this in, in, in front of the disciples who said uh, he doesn't have time for them. And he says, you okay? <laughs> You're a pretty heavy little kid, you know that? <laughs> um, but he's doing this in front of the disciples to kind of prove a point, to say, look, I have time for him. He's important to me. And then he puts his hand on his, their head <laughs> and blesses them. A little harder. We do love you, bud. Good job. He picks them up. He takes them in his arms, and he puts his hands upon them and blesses them. That's the heart of God for the next generation. And if that's his heart, Cornerstone Baptist Church, that needs to be our heart too. Where we do what we can to be a place where kids and teenagers can come in. They may not look the way we want them to, talk the way we want them to, do the things we want them to. But we need to be a church where we are pointing these children to the Lord Jesus and suffering them to come instead of forbidding them to come. So what is the heart of God for the next generation? Too well to say it in a familiar way. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. That's God's heart for the next generation. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter what their background is. He loves them and wants them to come. Let me end with this story. One Sunday, a lady was inviting children to come to Sunday school when she met a boy and asked him why he went so far past so many other Sunday schools to go to his own Sunday school. There are plenty of others, she said, just as good. He said, they may be so good, but they are not so good for me. Well, why not, she pressed. Because they love a fellow over there, he answered, referring to his Sunday school, that they just know how to love a fellow over there. Look, my prayer and desire for Cornerstone Baptist Church is that we would be a place that loves a fellow over here. That we would be a church that has the same heart for the next generation as the Lord Jesus does. That we would suffer the children to come to Christ. Okay, tonight, in just a few moments, we have an opportunity to give and to invest so that the teenagers of Cornerstone Baptist Church can get closer to Christ, quite literally. For those, how many of you have been to camp, uh, church camp before? Would you raise your hand? Many hands. And look at the difference that it made in your life. You're here tonight on a Sunday night. I want these young people to be in church somewhere on a Sunday night 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. Don't you? Um, I think going to camp is an important thing. Is it the only thing that, no, it's not the only thing, but it is an important thing. And it is an important way that these kids will be for a week exposed to preaching and exposed to uh, the importance of the Lord in their lives and away from some of the distractions. 
here's an opportunity for us to give and invest. So it's not all about the desserts, obviously. Certainly that's a fun aspect of it. It's more about investing so these kids, these young people can get closer to Christ. And so we have a choice. We have a chance to be a Mark 10, 13a church tonight. Mark 10, 13a says, and they brought young children to him. They brought the next generation to him. Here's an opportunity for us to do that in a very practical, tangible way. Let's do that together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your heart for the next generation. And uh, Father, I pray that you would help us as as a church to have that same heart, uh, Lord, to reach and to love and to point these young people to you. Help us, Lord, to have your mind and your heart in this area. I pray, Lord, you would mightily bless the, uh, the, uh, the opportunity that we have to give tonight, uh, to invest in the next generation. And uh, I pray, Lord, you'd help us to be generous, help us to follow your uh, guidance. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.